chapter seventeen of the canadians of old by philippe aubert de gaspe translated by sir charles g d roberts this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce peary the family hearth many a calamity had swept over the land since the day when the relations and friends of jules had gathered at the manor-house to bid him farewell before his departure for france among the old men time had made his customary inroads the enemy had carried fire and sword into the peaceful dwellings of the habitants the famine numbered its victims by the hundred the soil had been drenched with the blood of its brave defenders wind and sea had conspired against many of those brave officers from whom sword and bullet had turned aside nature was satiated with the blood of the children of new france the future was dark indeed for the upper classes already ruined by the havoc of the enemy for those who in laying by the sword were compelled to lay by the main support of their families and for those who foresaw that their descendants reduced to a lower walk in life would be compelled to till the soil which their valiant ancestors had made illustrious the city of quebec which of old had seemed to brave upon its hill summit the thunders of the heaviest guns and the assaults of the most daring battalions the proud city of quebec still encumbered with wreckage raised itself with difficulty out of its ruins the british flag streamed triumphant from its overbearing citadel and the canadian who by force of habit used to raise his eyes to the height in expectation of seeing the lily banner would drop them again sadly repeating with a sigh these touching words but our good kin will come again the reader will doubtless be gratified to see his old acquaintances after so many disasters bravely endured once more gathered together at a little banquet this was a feast given by monsieur d'Aberville in honor of his son's return even the good gentleman himself though nearing the close of his century had responded in person to the summons captain des Ecors, a comrade of monsieur d'Aberville a brave officer who had been brought to ruin by the conquest formed with his family a congenial addition to the gathering one of jules kinsfolk who perished in the wreck of the auguste had left him a small legacy which brought a new comfort to the d'habervilles and enabled them to exercise a hospitality from which they had been long and reluctantly debarred all the guests were at table after vainly waiting for the arrival of lochiel who was as a rule the most punctual of men well my friends said monsieur d'Aberville, what think you now of the omens which so saddened me ten years ago what is your opinion monsieur the cure of those mysterious warnings which heaven appeared to send me i think answered the priest that every one has had or imagined himself to have more or less mysterious warnings even in the most remote epochs but without going too far back roman history is rife with prodigies and portents occurrences the most insignificant were classed as good or bad omens the soothsayers consulted the flight of birds the entrails of the sacrificial victims and what not 
further they say that no two of these holy and veracious personages could look at each other without laughing and you conclude from this queried monsieur d'haberville i conclude said the priest that we need not greatly concern ourselves about such manifestations supposing heaven were pleased in certain exceptional cases to give visible signs as to the future this would but add one more to the already numberless ills of poor humanity we are by nature superstitious and we should be kept in a state of feverish apprehension far worse than the actual evils supposed to be foreshadowed well said m d'haberville who like many more consulted others merely as a matter of form my own experience compels me to believe that such omens are very often to be trusted to me they have never played false besides those which you yourselves have witnessed i could cite you a host of others for instance about fifteen years ago i was leading a war party against the iroquois my band was made up of canadians and huron indians we were on the march when suddenly i felt a sharp pain in my thigh as if i had been struck by some hard substance the pang was sharp enough to make me halt a moment i told my indians about it they looked at each other uneasily consulted the horizon and breathed deeply sniffing the air in every direction like dogs in quest of game then certain that there were no enemies in the neighborhood they resumed their march i asked petit etienne the chief who appeared uneasy if he was dreading a surprise not that i know of said he but at our first encounter with the enemy you will be wounded just where you felt the pain of course i laughed at the prediction but for all that not two hours later an iroquois bullet went through my thigh at the spot in question fortunately escaping the bone no gentlemen omens have proved faithful in my own case and what thinks monsieur the chevalier asked the priest i think said uncle raoul that there is good wine on the table and that it is our pressing duty to attack it an admirable decision cried everybody the wine remarked jules is the most faithful of presages for it announces happiness and mirth in proof of it here is our friend lochiel coming up the avenue i am going to meet him you see my dear archie said the captain greeting him warmly you see that we have treated you without ceremony as a child of the family we only waited for you half an hour knowing your soldierly punctuality we feared that some unavoidable business had prevented your coming i should have been much grieved if you had treated me otherwise than as a child of the family answered archie i had planned to be here quite early this morning but i did not make sufficient allowance for your fine quagmire at cap st ignace first of all my horse got into a bog-hole whence i extricated him at the cost of the harness which i had to do without as best i could then i broke a wheel of my carriage whereupon i had to go and seek help at the nearest house about a mile and a half away for most of the distance i was wading through mud up to my knees and when i got there i was half dead with fatigue ah my dear archie 
said jules the ceaseless mocker quantum mutatis ab illo as uncle raoul would have said if i hadn't got ahead of him where are your mighty legs of which you were once so proud in that same morass have they lost their agility since the twenty-eighth of april seventeen sixty they served you admirably in that retreat as i predicted they would it is true replied lochiel laughing heartily that they did not fail me in the retreat of seventeen sixty as you so considerately call it but my dear jules you had no reason to complain of your own short as they are in the retreat of seventeen fifty nine one compliment deserves another you know always with due regard to a soldier's modesty ah but you're all astray there my dear fellow a scratch which i had received from an english bullet was interfering very seriously with my flight when a tall grenadier who had somehow taken a fancy to me threw me over his shoulder with no more ceremony than as if i were his haversack and continuing his retreat at full speed deposited me at length within the walls of quebec it was time in his zeal the creature had carried me with my head hanging down his rascally back like a calf on the way to the butcher's so that i was almost choked by the time he landed me would you believe it the rascal had the audacity some time afterward to ask me for a pourboire for himself and his friends who were so glad to see their little grenadier once more upon his feet and i was fool enough to treat the crowd you see i never could keep up a grudge but here is your dinner piping hot which your friend lisette has kept in the oven for you to be sure you deserve to take your dinner in the kitchen for the anxiety that you have been causing us but we'll let that pass here is jose bringing you an appetizer according to the custom of all civilized nations the old fellow is so glad to see you that he is showing his teeth from ear to ear i assure you that he is not one-handed when he is giving his friends a drink and still less so when like his late father he is taking one himself our young master answered jose putting the empty plate under his arm in order to shake archie's hand our young master is always at his jokes but mr archie knows very well that if there was only one glass of brandy left in the world i should give it to him rather than drink it myself as for my poor late father he was a very systematic man so many drinks a day and not a drop more always barring weddings and festivals and other special occasions he knew how to live with propriety and also how to take his little recreations from time to time the worthy man all i can say is that when he entertained his friends he didn't keep the bottle under the table in the vicar of wakefield goldsmith makes the good pastor say i can't say whether we had more wit among us than usual but i'm certain we had more laughing which answered the end as well the same might be said of the present gathering over which there reigned that french light-heartedness which seems alas to be disappearing in what homer would call these degenerate days neighbor said captain d'haberville to captain des if your little difficulty with general murray has not spoiled your throat for singing please set a good example by giving us a song indeed said archie 
i heard that you had great difficulty in escaping the clutches of our bad-tempered general but i am unacquainted with the particulars when i think of it my friend exclaimed captain desecor i feel something of a strangling sensation in my throat i should not complain however for in my case the general conducted affairs in due order instead of hanging me first and trying me afterward he came to the wise conclusion that the trial had better precede the hanging the fate of the unhappy miller nadeau my fellow-prisoner who was accused of the same crime as myself and who was not tried until after his execution the sad fate of this respectable man whose innocence he heard too late led him to hesitate before hanging me untried in my captivity i passed many a bad quarter of an hour all communication with the outside world was forbidden me i had no means of learning what fate was in store for me every day i asked the sentinel who was walking up and down beneath my window if he had any news for me and ordinarily i received in answer a cordial goddamn at last a soldier more accessible and good-humoured who could jabber a scrap of french replied to my question vous pendar cet air le matin gueule i believe this jolly and sympathetic creature put all his knowledge of french into that one phrase for to every other question i asked i received the same reply vous pendar cet air le matin gueule it was easy to gather from this that i was to be hung some morning at seven o'clock but what morning i could not learn the outlook was anything but cheerful for three whole days i had seen the body of the unfortunate nadeau hanging from one of the arms of his windmill the plaything of the gale every morning i expected that i should be called to take his place on this novel and ingenious gibbet infamous cried archie and the man was innocent this was proved at the inquest which was held after the execution replied captain des i should add that general murray appeared to repent with bitterness for this murder which he had committed in his haste he heaped nadeau's family with benefits and adopted his two little orphan daughters whom he took with him to england poor nadeau all the company echoed the words poor nadeau alas said des philosophically if we were to set ourselves lamenting for all who have lost their lives by but let us change a subject so painful then he sang the following song the new narcissus am i named whom all men most admire from water have i been reclaimed in wine to drown my fire when i behold the rosy hue that gives my face renown enraptured with the lovely view i drink my image down in all the universe is not but tribute pays to thee even the winter's ice is brought for thy benignant glee the earth exerts her anxious care thy nurture to assist to ripen thee the sunshine's fair to drink thee i exist the songs and choruses succeeded each other rapidly that contributed by madame vincelot wrought up the merriment of the party to a high pitch this festal board this royal cheer they clearly tell they clearly tell our host is glad to have us here and feast us well and feast us well 
for even he permits that we make charivari 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 now pour me a glass kind host of this good wine of this good wine i would drink a loving toast this wife of thine this wife of thine smilingly permits that we make charivari 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 to this madame d'haberville added the following impromptu stanza if our endeavor to make your cheer be not in vain be not in vain consider you're the masters here and come again and come again and it shall be your care that we make charivari 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 then jules added a verse without a spice of rivalry dan cupid nods dan cupid nods challenge him to cups and he'll accept the odds accept the odds bacchus and he as well as we make charivari 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 at the end of each stanza everyone pounded on the table with their hands or rapped on the plates with their forks and spoons till the din became something indescribable blanche being asked to sing her favorite song of blaise and babette endeavored to excuse herself and substitute another but the young ladies insisted crying let us have blaise and babette by all means the minor is so touching yes said jules that is a minor with its my love it is my life a minor to touch the tenderest chord in the feminine heart quick let us have the sweet minor to touch the hearts of these charming young ladies we'll make you pay for that in blind man's buff said one of them and in the game of forfeits said another look out for yourself my boy said jules addressing himself for in the hands of these young ladies you stand no better chance than a cat without claws would in hades no matter sing away my dear sister your voice perhaps like that of orpheus will assuage the fury of your enemies the wretch chorused the young ladies to compare us but never mind we'll settle with you later meanwhile sing us the song blanche dear the latter still hesitated then fearing to attract attention by her refusal she sang the following song with tears in her voice it was the cry of a pure love finding utterance in spite of all her efforts to bury it in her heart for thee dear heart these flowers i twine my blaise accept of thy babette the warm rose and the orange flower and jessamine and violet be not thy passion like the bloom that shines a day and disappears my love is an undying light and will not change for time or tears dear be not like the butterfly that knows each blossom in the glades and cheapen not thy sighs and vows among the laughing village maids such loves are but the transient bloom that shines a day and disappears my love is an undying light and will not change for time or tears if i should find my beauty fade if i must watch these charms depart dear see thou but my tenderness o oh, look thou only on my heart remember how the transient bloom shines for a day and disappears my love is an undying light and will not change for time or tears 
every one was moved by her touching pathos of which they could not guess the true cause they attributed it lamely enough to her emotion on seeing jules thus brought back to the bosom of his family to divert their attention jules hastened to say but it's myself that has brought the pretty song with me from france let us have your pretty song arose the cry on all sides no said jules i am keeping it for mademoiselle vincelot to whom i wish to teach it now the young lady in question had for some years been declaring herself very hostile to the idea of marriage indeed she had avowed a pronounced preference for celibacy but jules knew that a certain widower not waiting quite so long as decorum required had overcome the strange repugnance of this tigress of chastity and had even prevailed upon her to name the day this declared opponent of marriage was in no hurry to thank jules whose malicious waggery she knew too well but every one cried persistently the song give us the song and you can teach it to elise at your leisure as you will said jules it is very short but is not wanting in spice a maiden is a bird that seems to love the cage enamoured of the nest that nursed her tender age but leave the window wide and presto she's outside and off on eager wing to mate and sing they chaffed elise a good deal who like all prudes took their pleasantries with rather a bad grace seeing which madame d'haberville gave the signal and the company arose and went into the drawing-room elise as she was passing jules gave him a pinch that nearly brought the blood come my fair one whose claws are so sharp exclaimed jules is this such a caress as you destined for your future spouse this which you are now bestowing on one of your best friends happy spouse may heaven keep much joy for him at the last after the coffee and the customary pousse cafe the company went out into the courtyard to dance country dances and to play fox and geese and my lady's toilet nothing could be more picturesque than this latter game played in the open air in a yard studded with trees the players took their places each under a tree one only remained in the open each furnished his or her contribution to my lady's toilet one being her dress another her necklace another her ring and so forth it was the office of one of the players to direct the game as soon as he called for one of these articles the one representing this article was obliged at once to leave his post which was promptly taken possession of by another then as the different articles of my lady's toilet were called for rapidly a lively interchange of positions was set up between the players the one left out in the first place striving to capture any post that might be left for an instant vacant this merry game was continued until my lady considered her toilet complete then on the cry my lady wants all her toilet all the players changed places with alacrity and the one who was left out had to pay a forfeit it is not to be supposed that this game was conducted without a vast deal of laughter and clamour and ludicrous mishaps when the ladies were tired the party went into the house to amuse themselves less vigorously with such games as does the company please you or hide the ring 
shepherdess or hide-and-seek or hot cockles etc they ended up with a game proposed by jules which was ordinarily productive of much laughter the early canadians though redoubtable warriors on the battlefield were thorough children in their social gatherings being nearly all kinsfolk or friends of long standing many of their games which in these days might be regarded in the best circles as over familiar were robbed of the objectionable element the stranger would have said that they were a lot of brothers and sisters letting their spirits have free play within the privacy of the family it was not without deliberate purpose that jules who still felt the pinch elise had given him proposed a game by which he hoped to get his revenge this is the game a lady seated in an armchair begins by choosing someone as her daughter her eyes are then blindfolded and by merely feeling the faces of the players who kneel before her one by one with their heads enveloped in a shawl or scarf she is required to pick out her daughter every time she makes a mistake she has to pay a forfeit it is often a man or an old woman who kneels before her thus disguised whence arises many a laughable mistake when it came the turn of elise to take the armchair she did not fail to select jules for her daughter with the purpose of tormenting him a little during the inspection as each person knelt at the feet of the blindfolded lady all the others sang in chorus o lady say is this your daughter o lady say is this your daughter in buckles of gold and rings galore the watermen bold are at the oar the blindfolded lady responds in the same fashion oh yes it is it is my daughter etc or else oh no it is not it is not my daughter oh no it is not it is not my daughter in buckles of gold and rings galore the watermen bold are at the oar after having inspected several heads elise hearing under the shawl the stifled laughter of jules imagined she had grasped her prey she feels his head it is not unlike that of jules the face indeed seems a trifle long but this rascally jules has so many tricks for disguising himself did he not mystify the company for a whole evening having been introduced as an old aunt just arrived that very day from france under this disguise did he not have the audacity to kiss all the pretty women in the room including elise herself the wretch yes jules is capable of anything under this impression she pinches an ear there is a cry of pain and a low growl followed by a loud barking she snatches the bandage from her eyes to find herself confronted with two rows of threatening teeth it was niger just as at the house of farmer dinmont of whom scott tells us all the dogs were named pepper so at the d'aberville mansion all the dogs were named niger or nigra in memory of their ancestor whom the little jules had named to show his progress in latin elise at once snatched off her high-heeled shoe and made an attack on jules the latter held poor niger as a shield and ran from room to room the girl following him hotly amid roars of laughter oh happy time when lightness of heart made wit unnecessary 
o happy time when the warmth of welcome made superfluous the luxury which these ruined canadians were learning to do without the houses like the hearts of their owners seemed able to enlarge themselves to meet every possible demand of hospitality sleeping-places were improvised upon the slightest occasion and when once the ladies were comfortably provided for the sterner sex found no difficulty in shifting for themselves these men who had passed half their life in camp during the harshest seasons who had journeyed four or five leagues on snowshoes resting by night in holes which they dug in the snow as they did when they went to attack the english in acadia these men of iron could do without swans down coverlets to their couches the merry-making paused only for sleep and was renewed in all its vigor in the morning as every one then wore powder the more skilful would undertake the role of hairdresser or even of barber the subject arrayed in an ample dressing-gown seated himself gravely in a chair the impromptu hairdresser rarely failed to heighten the effect of his achievement either by tracing with the powder-puff an immense pair of whiskers on those who lacked such adornment or in the case of those who were already provided by making one side a great deal longer than the other the victim frequently was made aware of his plight only by the peals of laughter which greeted him on entering the drawing-room the party broke up at the end of three days in spite of the efforts of monsieur and madame d'haberville to keep them longer archie alone who had promised to spend a month with his old friends kept his word and remained End of chapter seventeen